Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. All right, welcome in episode 79 of BuzzBeat Radio. Um, we've got plenty of Hornets basketball as usual uh, to talk about. In this episode, um, a little bit of a bipolar week for, for Charlotte. But we'll get into all of that. Don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network and home of QueenCityHoops.com. Uh, I read a pretty good piece uh, on, on Queen City Hoops last night, actually, about, hey, what should we do with Marvin Williams here? Should he stay in the starting lineup? Should we look at somebody else uh, to take his place? Um, so go check that piece out if you haven't already. Uh, and then SportsChannel8.com. Don't forget about our friends over at SportsChannel8. You can follow them on Twitter at Sports Channel 8, the number 8. Um, on that note, BG, what is happening uh, in the triangle? Uh, nothing. Just the uh, Zion Williams highlight factory here yeah. at the, uh, the moment, the center of the basketball universe, it, it almost feels like. Um, I've gone, I've covered two Duke games now this year. I was there, I was on hand last night for the Eastern Michigan game, which was just an onslaught. Uh, I don't know if you, if, if you guys haven't watched this dude play a basketball game yet, uh, I would I would get busy on it. It's pretty absurd. But other than that, just a lot of basketball. Um, I'm up in Asheville this weekend for a wedding, which will be cool. So looking forward to a little vacation. I'm off work tomorrow. And um, I don't know. I set up my, my DVR this morning to tape a bunch of basketball games this weekend while I'm gone including the uh, the Hornets game. So um, how about you? Any, everything good in your neck of the woods? Yeah, everything's good. Everything's good. Richie, um, I know you're going to run to something, but it looks like you're still here. Uh, Richie's got to go take care of something. But uh, what's going on down in uh, down in your world? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, you know, Beckett is taking up a whole lot of my time. Um, like I talked to you guys beforehand, um, sleep schedule seems to be very inconsistent last night he was up at midnight just wide-eyed and uh, we don't know exactly why he was awake at that time I think that's just baby schedules uh, are definitely inconsistent so uh, lack of sleep is is definitely hitting me at this time I woke up and I was just like I need to go to Starbucks and get me a venti a venti coffee so uh, exactly what I did this morning before we let you go have you seen any Hornets basketball in the last week like one second. Yes, it's been on. It's been on okay. in the background. But uh, for me to actually like take notes, no, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, and then all right. Before we let you go, really, this seriously, this is the last question. <laughs> Give us your one hmm. thought. Like, what's the one thing that stuck out to you in this past week? Because there's a lot to unpack here. I think in this episode yeah. uh, for the Hornets. But what's the one thing that sticks out to you uh, among anything else? Well, see, I didn't see the game. Um, against the Cavs. So I feel like my <laughs> thoughts are a little bit more positive than yeah. uh, what you're... you lucky man. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I didn't see any of that. I, I don't really have a, 
you know, kind of one thought. I, I wish I almost saw the Cavs game so that I can kind of weigh in on that. So, no, I, I, I really don't have anything uh, enlightening here. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, like I said, if you watch the Detroit and the Philly game, I think you're like, man, this team is really starting to home offensively. It's kind of coming together. And then in Cleveland, oh, boy. Yeah, we'll get to that one later. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we, we thought we'd do kind of what we did last week uh, and start with the Twitter questions. Um, we had two pretty good ones this week. I really like the first one especially. Uh, but, BG, to answer your question, no real updates in my life. Thanksgiving's next week. I'm moving to Charlotte on the 27th of November. So, um, if I could, like, turn the computer around and show you guys, there's just boxes everywhere. <laughs> so, nothing real exciting. Um, trying to catch as much college hoops. That's on the TV. All the preseason tournaments are starting, all that good stuff. Yeah. Other than that, it's just a lot of packing. Uh, yeah. But appreciate you asking. Um, all right, well, let's jump into these Twitter questions. Uh, the first one comes from uh, Tyler Pelham. Uh, Tyler's, I know he's a fan. He interacts with us uh, pretty regularly uh, on Twitter. He's at Tyler underscore Pelham, P-E-L-L-O-M. You can give him a follow. His question is, if you guys could dump one contract from the current roster, which one would it be? I'm going to let you take this one first, BG. Yeah, this is sort of a no-brainer, right? I mean, there's it's the most expensive and it's the the longest in terms of years. It's the uh, it's you know it's the lengthiest contract on the books. Uh, only two full seasons down of it, and that would be the Nick Batum summer of 2016 extravaganza concert or pardon me contract. Which still has I'm pulling I'm pulling up the numbers right now. Nick Batum, 24 million this season, 25.5 million next season, then a player option in 2020, 2021 of 27.1 million dollars. That is, in my opinion, the no-brainer one to dump. Although I don't know, maybe you could make a case for like Bismack, his contract, I suppose too. Um, 17 this year, player option for 17 next year. But now I'll take. Uh, I'd uh, even though Batum's been, you know, Batum's a good player and he, he helps the team win games. But um, if I had to dump one, that would be the uh, I think that would be the the most obvious choice. I agree with you. Uh, I think it is Batum um, through twenty twenty one, as you said. You know, owed over yeah. fifty million dollars, not counting this season. But uh, so yes, that's the answer. I think we agree here. But I will throw out just a few. And we're going to talk about this player later. Um, this contract's starting to look really stinky, uh, and, and I wouldn't say that we would have <clears throat> we would have said that at all this time last year. I, I think we thought maybe the amount of centers we had on the roster this time last season we've been like, you know, this is a lot of money to dole out to another center. Mm-hmm. But Cody Zeller uh, at fourteen four next year, and then fifteen point four in twenty twenty one with no options. Um, you know, those are just that's a, that's a straight deal. That's uh. That's not great. And Cody Zeller, uh, something else that hadn't been great on the court this season, Cody Zeller, not great. Um, so I think that one uh, you could – and probably a little easier, obviously, to get off of. And mm-hmm. then the other one I would say um, that I think the Horns could look at moving because it's just shorter is Marvin Williams. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. his player yeah. option, $15 million next year, uh, which, yes, he's going to opt into that 365 <laughs> days of the year. Yeah. Um, I think if you get off that, it really helps you too, uh, yeah. from a cap perspective. But uh, yeah, I think we both agree on Batum. Um, all right, second question here. Honestly, uh, how about yeah. why not Kemba Walker? I'm just sick of him being so good and valuable 
Like, it's almost annoying. It's, he's just kind of a show-off, you know? Like, yeah. oh, look yeah. at me continuously outperforming my contract and expectations and being a super good bargain deal. You know, maybe maybe that's what's holding this franchise back. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a train of thought, EG. Right, um, right. I feel right. like, you know, I, I, I with all this moving going on, I don't want to beat my head into the wall any more than I have to. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, getting off Kimba and seeing what you get in return certainly – uh, it, it sparks a conversation. That, yeah, that right. Should, I, yeah. I, I say that mostly in jest. He, he's awesome. Um, sure. And, um, glad to have him here. In, but yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no question. And look, let's just see where the season goes, right? Like we could be here in just a few weeks um, with tough schedule coming up for Charlotte. We could be in a situation where we're having this more seriously. But yeah, man, this is like Groundhog Day at this point with Kim contract. Um, okay. Second question. Um, from our good friend Patrick Connor, you can follow him on Twitter. Let me pull it up real quick. At Patrick Connor Seven, his question is: Drum roll. We need a drum roll for this one. <laughs> Should the Hornets sign Mello? Um, so when Richie tweeted out the other day from the Buzzbeat account, send us your questions. Like the odds on getting this question, and no yeah, offense, Patrick, Connor, it's a good question. We should yeah. talk about it. The odds would have been like minus 500, right? That yeah. this question was going to be one of them. BG, I already know what your answer is, but go ahead and give your reasoning. It is it is definitely no. Um, so just real quickly here, Carmelo's played 294 minutes this season with Houston. He's not the only reason they're underperforming, right? We all, we all agree on that. But uh, Houston, minus 63 points in those 294 minutes, worst on the team. Offense scoring 102 points per 100, that's bad. Defense allowing 111 points per 100, that's very bad. Uh, offense and defense both get better when he gets off the court. Um, minutes with Chris Paul and James Harden, those three together, 37 minutes, um, 99 points per 100 possessions, that's very bad. Defensively, 114 points per 100 possessions. And here's the big thing where it comes to Carmelo is – what is his actually like one plus skill that he still has? Like, like, like seriously, like what it's cause it's not spot up shooting. He's shooting 31% on threes off the catch this season. He's shooting 29% on wide open three pointers this season. And he's just, he's shooting under 36% on pull up twos. So like, tell me, tell me what it is, you know, like what is the, and like those pull up twos, no one even cares. Like no one's going to like, you know, run run an offense so Carmelo Anthony can go score 0.7 points per possession. You know what I mean? Right. Like that yeah, that offense right. doesn't exist anymore. And I even think on a second unit, it's 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 not even it's not even worth it. Um, look, Carmelo Anthony's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. The thought of you know having a little extra buzz around the team and seeing him in a Hornets uniform, like I guess that's kind of cool. But like, but like, no, um, he's not a very good player. At this point in his career, he's regressed. It's what people do in year 16, usually, unless their name is LeBron James. Um, and that specter continues to sort of like hang over Carmelo's career and sort of cloud, man, almost every accomplishment or failure he's ever had. It's, 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 it's interesting, the juxtaposition between those two. So, no, my answer is no. He does basically nothing to help you win basketball games at this point. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. Uh, you know, your question, the question you posed about like what what is his discernible skill, um, his one asset at this point, it, it's hard to come up with an answer. I think if he was a, and I don't have his isolation numbers right in front of me, but if his isolation numbers were 
solid, you know, even yeah. above average, just above average. I think that <clears throat> I could listen to some that make the case for him in Charlotte a little bit more because I think he could serve a purpose on the second unit. But I just on the high test, I don't think his ISO numbers are good. He's still taking a lot of if he's still taking as many mid range shots as he was in Houston, mm-hmm. like get him out of where they literally scald you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if, yeah. If you take that shot, yeah. You know, imagine what he's going to do somewhere else. Uh, defensively, obviously, obviously, it's a disaster. The only thing he could bring to the Hornets is a guy who you could give the ball to late in games, and. <laughs> You know, it, at least he could go take a shot, right? Like right. take a half decent, like isolation yeah. mid, bricky. Sh- I mean, you know, it wouldn't be a great shot, but like that's the problem with this offense. We can talk about this more later. We rely on a five eight po- speedy point guard yeah. to create his own shot every single time down the floor. So like that's the one thing Carmelo could bring is somebody could throw the ball, and you know he's going to be able to create and get off his own shot. Um, but those shots aren't going in. So you know yeah. what? What good is it really doing? So, yes, the answer is here is no. Now, I I want to pose this question as a follow-up to you, VG. What, what would you put the odds at that mm. right now that Michael – because I, I could see the Char, I could see Charlotte doing this. I just could. They want to win, number one. You can talk yourself into Melo helping you some way, somehow. You just can. Somebody will do it, right? Yeah. And yes. – from a marketing perspective, which is yeah. always kind of at the top of the of the food chain for the Hornets, a small market team trying to bring in a little, a few extra dollars. Like, what would you put the odds at that this actually does happen? Yeah, it's uh, still low. Although, in a, I think Carmelo is a Team Jordan guy too. Am I correct on that? So, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's like there's like that as a, a small added bonus, you know, to the connection. I suppose I would still say low. Like, I. I I, I can't think of, you know, exact, and I guess the Hornets do technically have a roster spot open too, right? That they could, um, yeah. I would need, I need to pull up the, the balance sheet and just see like how close they are to the uh, tax line. I don't, I don't actually have that right in front of me, but like, um, they are just while you're on it, they're 3.4 million uh, and some pennies yeah. uh, under, under the tax. So, so they can they sign can it to the minimum. Yeah. Easily, easily. Um, I mean that, I mean, if that's the case, you know, I, <laughs> I, I guess that that increases the odds a little bit more. I, I'd still say like, you know, like a one out of ten chance, two out of ten chance. Like I can't one out of five. Like I think something that you know, ten to twenty percent chance at the best, and and probably lower than that. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. I, I think it's about thirty percent chance um, that this. I mean, I I don't know how quickly this is going to move for Carmelo, but he's parted ways officially with the Rockets mm-hmm. as of actually just a few minutes ago, which means that, you know, the Rockets wanted to trade him. So they yeah. didn't have to take the cap hit. Right. Um, so, but now they got to take the cap hit. So that, so they're, I guess, waving him. Um, so if you couldn't find a trade partner, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know for Carmelo. It's just kind of sad where it's gotten to at this point. It really is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, he's great. He was a great player, just a, a, yeah. an awesome player, a totally awesome player. You know, he averaged 20 plus points for 14 seasons. He was the centerpiece on some good teams in Denver and a good team in New York. Three gold medals, you know, a, you know, a scoring title, 2013 national championship at Syracuse. Like, dude's got a resume that's pretty damn impressive. And if not, again, if not for like LeBron, 
sort of running the last decade and a half of basketball, we probably think even more highly of Carmelo um, yeah. as sort of like a as sort of like an amazing, uh, you know, franchise hub cornerstone player. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, this is like like I said, most players tend to regress as they hit their mid 30s, except for LeBron, who just, you know, goes for 44 near triple double last night against Portland. So yeah. um, the way the world works, I guess. Well, to put a bow on this segment, which, BG, I know you don't, and, and I really don't enjoy talking about it that much, but I know <laughs> that people want to hear us talk about it, right? So we will. Yeah. Here's why I think there is a chance this happens. Because this is a team, well-documented, that wants to make the playoffs as bad as any team in the mm-hmm. entire league, right? And they're $3.4 million away from under the luxury tax line. They have a, a sizable, almost $8 million trade exception, yeah. but they can't really use it. Yeah. To bring anything back without getting off money, because again, that's going to have to count towards your cap, whatever you bring back. So really, the three point four million dollar number is the one to focus on. If you want to add to this roster, which I do think the Hornets desperately need to, if there's any way possible for them to do it, mm-hmm. you got to do it at a very, very, very cheap price. And I guess my thing is just like, what better roll of the dice at a very probably low risk proposition than mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony? Yeah, you, know, you you have no ties to him. If you throw him the the prorated minimum starting tomorrow, yeah, you can waive him and eat yeah. the, and eat that money. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, um, and it's it's cheap. So that's why I think there is a chance this happens. Somebody in that front office in the ownership group is going to make a case the, for Carmelo Anthony. I am confident of that. The the the, the irony being that like Melo, you know, probably decreases you know in terms of you know, RPN, RPM and wins added and lost and stuff like that. Like he would probably slightly regress Charlotte's odds of making the playoffs. Like if signed, cause he's such a negative at this point of his career, but that like, you know, that's not, those aren't, those aren't, if someone's going to try to make a case for Carmelo, they're going to, they're going to bring up all the bona fides that he has over the last two decades, as opposed to being the fact that like, he is sort of a negative player at uh, at this point of of his career, um, but yeah, I guess so. I guess the prorated veterans minimum it'd be a little under two million dollars now at this point. Um, I would imagine somewhere in those whereabouts. Like, look, I, I wouldn't hate it if, if they brought Carmelo in. I mean, it would at least you know, like I said, bring a little bit of attention. But like, I just don't think that guy helps win basketball games anymore. I don't think he fits the offensive profile of the Hornets and what they're trying to do. And um, yeah, it's just like, if you want to have a guy to stand out there and, and miss 70% of his three pointers, like you're already paying Marvin Williams $15 million to do that. So right. Right. Like uh, why, why spend another, you know, 2 million on another, another guy from drafted in the mid aughts to come in and, and break a bunch of 25 footers for you. Um, and this is the last question that I'm going to ask you about this topic, yeah. but it just came to me, and I have to, and I have to ask it now. Yeah. Who Who would you rather have on this on your team, the Hornets, Dwight Howard or Carmelo oh, Anthony? Carmelo, not Car- <laughs> Car- <laughs> right. no, I don't even care. It's Carmelo. It's totally Carmelo. I never want to like relive the Dwight the Dwight Mir ever again. Oh, I I 100% agree with you. I just I, I was just making sure you had you shared the same. It, uh, and I at least like I at least like enjoy the personality of Carmelo, right? Like I sort of enjoy. Uh, I, I like Carmelo. I like I pull for him. It, it sucks that he's at the stage where, um, you know, his career is sort of slipping through his fingers, or you know, 
maybe even going dissipating at a faster rate than slipping through one's fingers. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to ever follow a team where Dwight Howard is like a featured element of the roster ever again. I uh, completely agree with you. Just yeah. wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's get into it here. Let me pull up my uh, my handy dandy spreadsheet. Before we get into the games, like I said, we're going to uh, review the uh, let me jog my memory the Philly game, the Detroit game, mm-hmm. Cleveland game, all on the road for Charlotte. But real quick, just kind of a look at where the Hornets stand, uh, really from just a skeleton perspective. First is the, the rest of the league offensively, defensively, offensive rating uh, 113.7. That's fifth in the league even after the Cleveland game. But you got to mm-hmm. remember a lot of those. A lot of the late-game stats, I use cleaning the glass, like I've said in the past. So a lot of the late-game stats from that Cleveland game obviously thrown out uh, as that was a blowout. Defensive rating for Charlotte, 108.4. That's uh, 14th best in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So they're above average right now in, in both marks. PG, I'm going to give you an offensive stat that I look at that really concerns me. And then let's talk – about defense a little bit more because there's a lot that concerns me defensively about the Hornets. Yeah. Um, the, the one offensive stat that I circled that, that is, is very, very concerning for me. And I, and I don't know how you fix it. I don't think you can fix it <clears throat> right now. Charlotte shooting the ball at the rim, 59%. That's 26th best in the NBA. Not great. Uh, field goals attempted at the rim 23rd. Mm-hmm in the league at 34.8%. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is just, it, it's really the same problem the defense is having. Honestly, you don't have a rim runner that can finish there. And mm-hmm. then it, it, the guy who attempts by far, by far the most shots at the rim, again, is 5'8", if you want to be yeah. high, probably a little yeah. smaller than that. And he's not get, having a great season at the rim. He's not getting to the foul line a lot. I don't know that this can be fixed. And I tweeted this out yesterday. You know, the Hornets just can't rely on the outside shot all season. Yeah. And, you know, I don't that's you know, that's with Dwight Howard. At least you get a faction of somebody that can finish around the basket, Mm -hmm. slow the game down because he's going to get fouled, you know, dunk when he catches it in there and nobody's flying at it. You know, the Hornets have nobody, not one person on this entire roster that's good at finishing at the rim. And that has got to be concerning. You know, like bridges to an extent, but even those, those, those looks are sort of like created differently, right? You know, like he's not going to like break down a defense and get to the rim. You know, it's got to be like, like, oh, they got a high low or he yeah, got it's like a lot of break. Yeah. Like that, right. It's different. It's different. Like the centers, they don't have a rim runner. And I mean, you know, Cody to an extent, but like you said, he's not a lob guy. He's been blocked 13 times already this season in the restricted area. Like I looked that up today. Um, I mean, he's still shooting 65% in the restricted area, but like, which is, which is, you know, it's okay. But, um, you know, it'd be nice if it was a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's tough because they're so reliant on two guys, really. Okay, like you said, one of them is obviously Kemba and he leads the team in 16 and a half drives per game, which is a lot. Uh, he's not shooting on all of those. Obviously he passes, he's 2.2 assists per game out of drives turnovers and stuff too um and then there's tony parker so it's like you're relying on two small guys one of whom is was drafted in the year 2001 and is in year you know 18 in the nba or whatever like you don't have anyone else that can like really break down a defense and get to the rim you were probably sort of hoping malik monk would be that guy 
But, and I'll get into this at some point, but like Malik, man, just a power outage from everywhere on the, on the court for this guy shooting the ball uh, this season, and, and especially recently, the last handful of games. Um, but yeah, look, it's a problem. Like they don't have a lob guy. Batum doesn't get to the rim. Kemba does, but he misses half the time. Tony Parton gets to the rim. He's shooting a decent number there, but like he can only play 19 minutes a game, you know? Like it, they need, the, the hope would be someone like Batum or 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 Lamb could step up and, and be a bigger attacking wing guard. But those guys, like, we talk about this all the time, Lamb's far more comfortable in the mid-range than he is getting all the way to the rim. And, um, yeah, like, it's just not Batum's game to, to put the ball on the deck and get to the hoop. It, it is, like, he's, it's in a nights when the jumper isn't falling, which it was not against Cleveland. Yeah, it's going to be a huge problem. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. You know how the Hornets really fix it. They got to find a way to create some better, some better looks, just some cleaner yeah. looks outside of just having Kimba get going downhill off dribble penetration and playing out of that. Um, and it was really kind of going back to my Carmelo point. I mean, this is <laughs> this is one area he actually could help. He could probably take a little bit higher percentage of shots than the Hornets are getting from anybody else. Not name and good point about Parker. Not name Kimba Walker or Tony Parker. Yeah. Um, you know, it, Jerry, and like you said, Malik Monk, he's just been he's been terrible. I mean, that Cleveland game, holy moly. Yeah, boy, um, dude, it's a problem. It's, it's bad right now. It's bad. It, it, it's really, really bad. Um, bad. He looks, his effort is lackluster. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's going back to rookie Malik Monk where he pounds it three or four times and then takes a contested, <laughs> like a contested almost fadeaway three. I mean, the one shot he made early in that game. I, I almost turned off the TV. I was like, terrible shot. He took two or three dribbles into the lane, backed his way out, got to the you know the elbow area, and then yeah. took just an awful fadeaway yeah. mid-range jump shot. Did nothing but net. Yeah. I mean, that's Blake Monk for you, right? And yeah. then the rest, he missed at least five wide open threes, and then the rest contested miss. I mean, Dude, it's yeah. Go ahead. Would you like Would you like me to spit out some numbers here on on Malik here? Which is so here's for the season. Malik Monk, thirty percent three point shooting. 44% effective shooting this season overall. Um, 32% shooting three-pointers off the catch. That's bad. 26% uh, on three-pointers on pull-up threes. That's bad. 32% on three-point attempts without a defender and four-plus feet of him. So those are open or wide-open threes. Again, 32%. He's shooting 15% on corner threes. Um, 55% at, in the restricted area, which is okay, but only 20% in the paint outside, of, like, so like the floater area, 20% field goal percent, 20% uh, field goal uh, in the paint, non-restricted area. And in the last three games, here's where it gets really bloody. Six, these are the last three games, the ones we're talking about right now, six of 36 shooting from the field for Malik Monk, uh, 19% effective shooting, two of 21 on three-pointers, 0 of 11 on three-point attempts after a catch, 2 of 9 on pull-up threes, 2 of 17 on open or wide-open three-pointers, 0 of 4 corner threes, and 2 of 6 at the rim, 0 of 6 in the paint, non-restricted area. Like, this, these are all the money areas for this guy, and these are the money shots, and it's a problem. Like, this is, it's got to be better than this. And, like, the offense is still scoring pretty well with him out there. Um, you know, about 110 points per 100 possessions in a fair amount of minutes. But, like, these numbers have just got to be better. Like, the Hornets, 
the Hornets desperately need him to be a more reliable and efficient offensive player. And, um, you know, it, it just it, it is not there. And I'm not entirely sure now that the season's going how you get it on track. Yeah, I don't either, because the only, I mean, just judging by the eye test, the only time Malik is efficient at all offensively is when they run him off that stagger pin down action from the corner. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you have a trailing defender and a health yeah. defender that's probably sitting low because, you know, we've talked about it. Malik can pass. He can set up his teammates. You know, he can score with some space. But yeah. if you ask him to do almost anything else on the floor, you can pretty much forget it. Um, yeah. And and that is, you know, wait, let's not say it yet. But, I mean, it's a possibility this is another lottery pick that's not going to work out. Yeah. Um, oh. Because he just doesn't. He brings so little else to the game, mm-hmm. especially defensively, that if he's not really a plus offensively uh, mm-hmm. consistently, like I, I, he, I don't know if he's an NBA player. I mean, yeah. I mean that that is in play here. Yeah, he is not an NBA player, and that's that's pretty depressing. And it's it sucks too because like one of the reasons why when the when the Hornets drafted him, I felt sort of good about the pick was I thought even though it was a little smallish of a backcourt. I thought he and Kemba sort of made sense together. Um, and it just looked like that part, those two together, just hasn't, like, they've had moments, but for the most part, hasn't really gotten online the, together this season. Those guys have a negative net rating together. Um, they did last season, too, um, scoring only 104 points for 100 possessions with Malik Monk, Kemba Walker out there together, about 138 minutes. And over the last three games, again, the ones we're talking about here, under 99 points for 100 possessions with Kemba and Malik Monk out there. Like they're they're needed. They need they're they're using Tony Parker to close games. Like Tony Parker was trying to save their cookies as the game was slipping away in Detroit. You know, teams teams the, the Pistons weren't even waiting. We we should wait till this game to talk more about it. But like the Pistons weren't even waiting for a ball screen to come before they trapped Kemba at the end of the game. Like they oh, were just yeah, send, no. they were just sending a second defense like. It was like it was like a high school or college game where like yeah. one player is so much better than everyone else, and like we just got to throw some junk defense at them to get the ball out of this guy's hands because literally no one else can make a play. Um, and yeah, like they they need they really they need one of Lamb, Batum, or Monk to be the guy, and just they both have lived. All three of those guys have limitations in ways that make it really really tough, and it's unfortunate for Malik because like. He's not without talent. Like the guy, the you know, he he should be a good catch and shoot guy, and he he's you know he has vision. Like some of his stuff should make sense, but um, boy, I mean, nine. I mean, the last three games, nineteen percent effective shooting, only forty four percent effective shooting for the season. That's terrible. It's like Michael Carter Williams level numbers. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is just a total power outage. You cannot have these things happening. Um, well, it, it, the problem. It's a really big problem. The, the, the irony in how bad he's shooting the ball is uh, he has such a short memory, you know, which is what a score needs. You know, it mm-hmm. needs he needs the he needs that power to to keep shooting and to keep going and to and to forget about the last shot. And Malik has that. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. He he'll chuck from anywhere at any time. But <laughs> that and that's the irony in it. He like has that mental. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say killer instinct because I don't think a killer instinct when I think Malik, but he, but he can get past the last shot. Problem is, 
it's driving his, his efficiency down so rapidly right now mm-hmm. because he keeps taking bad shots. Not all, them are, mm-hmm. not all of them are bad, but a lot of them are. And he keeps missing. And, uh, you know, you just ask yourself, like, okay, what do we have here? <laughs> you know, yeah. A guy that, that he has a picture-perfect stroke, you know, has a little bit of twitch in terms of athleticism. Uh, he's a microwave scorer when he gets hot. If few go in, he's going to keep firing away. But, you know, most of the time, he's an ineffective an inefficient yeah. shooter. So what do we really have? Um, uh, it's, I don't know. He's just, you know, the thing is you want to tell yourself like he's just 20. He missed a lot of, there was, there's a big chunk of his career that he's missed in terms of development from injuries last season and in the summer league this year to being in Clifford's doghouse for big chunks of last season too. Yeah. You want to be patient with this guy. It's early in year two, but right now the returns, um, they are not promising. They're they're certainly not. Um, all right, defensively, BG, I gotta run through it real quick. Um, yeah. like I said, 108.4 defensive rating. That's 14th in the league. Yeah. Hornets uh, guarding the three-point line above the break threes for opponents. The Hornets are best in the NBA. Opponents How about are that? Only, it's crazy. Opponents are only shooting 30% from above the break. But here's the kicker. The Hornets are 29th in defending the corner. Opponents are shooting 45.7% from the corner. Um, that is not a great sign for the defense. Um, yeah. I mean, number one is <clears throat> we know this team doesn't have rim protection, and I'll get to that with a stat here in a minute. But teams are getting to the rim regularly, mm-hmm. and teams are u- using that corner Pretty much it will. And and I would imagine that the numbers, if you run the numbers on how many of those attempts the opponents are taking from the corner are wide open, it's yeah. got to be tops of the league. Um, yeah. the, the Hornets just have to help from so many different areas outside of just with your five. Because Cody Zeller doesn't provide any rim protection. Bismack mm-hmm. Biombo is the only person on this roster that does really. And, you know, he doesn't play very much. And it's been a disaster every time he's played this season. Like his, 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 like his plus minus and the numbers are, are, it's really bad. This team, they don't, they can't score at all when Bismack Biombo plays. Right. So, you know, it's a pick your poison proposition here. You know, it's nice that the Hornets are, you know, defending the three point line from the top. But, you know, when when it, when the defense is breaking down as drastically as it is, one of the things you're going to see is an uptick of, of opponents shooting at the rim, which yeah. you've seen, and an uptick from the corners, the two most efficient spots on the floor to score from. Mm-hmm. And and that's what the Hornets D is showing. You know, we're 14th in the league overall, but where we're bleeding from are the highest efficiency spots in the game. Um, so let's see, at the rim, 25th in the NBA for field goal attempts at the rim. Um 39%. That's, uh, excuse me, 25th in field goal percentage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excuse me, I said that wrong. Um, so it's a big problem, and it goes back like to the same thing with the offense. Is how do the Hornets score at the rim? I really don't mm-hmm. know. Unless Kimba just gets to the foul line a lot more. How do they <clears throat> How do they stop opponents at the rim? Well, they're not really going to be able to do that. They're going to have to keep the ball in front of them mm-hmm. from the top, from the wing, yeah. And they haven't been able to consistently do that either. Nick Batum, Jeremy Lamb, Miles Bridges, um, Marvin Williams, all these guys are players that are going to get beat off the bounce pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, Batum especially, too. I mean, Batum having a matchup with wings and stuff. 
Yeah. 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 Um, the only guy that we have on this roster that really keep the ball in front is is a kid Gilchrist, and he's out mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, that's um, a big. That's a big. I don't think Cleveland going bonkers uh, against the the Hornets was just like a random coincidence that it was the first game that MKG wasn't playing in. Like, not saying he he wins that. You know, he's. I don't think Michael Kidd Gilchrist is worth you know thirty points in, <laughs> in a basketball game, but just his defensive intensity and his aggression and his effort. Um, I just don't think you get you're going to get suckered like that by a crappy Cavs team. Uh, if you got MKG out there, you know, pushing the second unit. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, once again, we're understanding the value of, of MKG, uh, which I feel like is it's an annual tradition. Yeah. Unlike yeah. any others, when he goes down and the, and the defense craters, you're just like, oh, well, here we go again. What's good, y'all? This is your boy, Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. And if you want a raw take on the NBA, Above the Rim is a show for you. With dope beats and entertaining guests each week, we offer a great new insight on all things NBA. You don't want to miss it. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and the Almighty Baller Network. Um, all right, let's jump into the games here. We'll start with the, yeah. the Philly game. Yeah. yeah, Philadelphia game. Uh, last Friday night, the Hornets losing overtime, 133 to 132. Um this was all about Joel, Joel Embiid. I mean, just a dominant, dominant performance. Yeah. 42 points, 18 rebounds, 11 of 18 from the floor, <laughs> 33.2 usage rate. I mean, it really I mean, all went through him. He's Godzilla out there, dude. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. It's crazy. It, it, it's unbelievable. The Hornets really had no answer for him. He took 22 free throws yeah, in this game. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they had nothing. Nothing for Embiid. A lot of help was coming. Almost like you were explaining earlier, BG. The Hornets didn't do it earlier in the game, but you saw it more and more. You saw it in the fourth quarter quite a bit. Before the ball was even being thrown to Embiid in the block, the Hornets were shading literally to the to the outside yeah. of the paint of where he was going to catch it uh, and, and just zoning and zoning behind the play. I mean, they, yeah. they had to come up with something, yeah. uh, and, and they couldn't. Just a dominant performance for Embiid. So that's really where it started. Uh, for Philly, you know, Dario Sarch had a nice game, hit four threes. Um, yeah, his bon, in his, uh, his Bon Voyage performance there, too. Yeah, his yeah. last game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Sarge and, and Rocco's last game yeah. in Philly. And they both, they both had a great game. I mean, like I said, Sarge hit four, th- uh, excuse, yeah, four threes. And Covington, oh, he only hit one. His defense was, was awesome, though. His was. defense was so good. So good again, as usual. Um. So, yeah, I mean, this was just – this is one of those games, and it's been both games against Philly, right, BG? We're like, we yeah. – Charlotte just has no answer for Joel Embiid. And, again, this is why Bismack Piamba, as he did in the first game, this is why he has to play some spot minutes because, number one, Cody Zeller's going to get in foul trouble guarding Embiid. And, number two, Biz can just bang a little bit more effectively and yeah. make life a little bit harder on, yeah. on Embiid than Zeller can. Yeah, no, and I mean, like, it's one of those, you'd love to think, like, oh, could they get away with Marvin at the five? And they even tried that uh, against uh, against um, Embiid at times in this game. But, I mean, come on, Mar- you can't ask Marvin to guard that monster down on down on the block. And I thought Embiid got some pretty friendly whistles, too, offensively, and, um, and obviously got away with a travel call that led to a pretty big three-pointer. Um, but a couple things for Charlotte here. They shoot... 
48% at the rim, which is terrible. Uh, 15 of 31. Embiid, four blocks. Simmons, three blocks. Covington, four blocks. I mean, just a total, a total dead zone for the Hornets at the rim. And as I said, I think on two episodes ago when we were talking about the first Philadelphia game, just a bad – It just that's an unfriendly matchup for Kemba because of their size and length. And having it like always having Simmons or you know what was Covington, or, you know, it'll be Jimmy Butler now having one of those guys on him at all times. And so, I've, I've got these are Kemba statistics from the Philadelphia games this season uh, 20 of 60, 33 percent shooting, 38 percent effective shooting, uh, six of 29 on three pointers, it's under 21 percent, three of 20 on pull up threes, 15 percent. And according to NBA.com matchup data. Uh, on possessions where he was guarded with where Covington was the primary defender, Kemba, 8 of 21, 38% shooting, and 2 of 10 on three-pointers, 20% too. So, like, I just think that length is just it's such an issue. for And then Kemba still got, you know, it wasn't an efficient um, 30 points on 29 field goal attempts. He was 3 of 14 on threes. I just think, I mean, nine assists, it's only zero turnovers, pretty good. Like, he, had an, he did some good things, but... uh yeah, I just think Philadelphia, this, at least the old iteration of the 76ers, was always a tough matchup. And w- one last thing on Embiid, too. Just what he and J.J. Redick do with their, their two-man game and their handoff action and the way they, you know, he screens for, for Redick and gets him open and the way Redick's gravity can get Embiid good looks, too. I, just a, those guys, it's really tough to stop. Um, it's impossible to switch. You can't have a small guy go on, on Embiid because he'll go destroy him and get a foul. And, you know, Reddick just never stops running. It's, it's a really tough, it's a tough two-man, uh, you know, unit to defend if, if they have the ball or if they don't have the ball. Yeah, no question. And, and Kimba struggled in this game. I'm glad you kind of laid out how much he struggled against Philly so far this season. Um, in, in the fourth quarter and in overtime, he finally gets going. And Philly... You know, they really lost their focus on defense a few times on Walker. Um, Mm -hmm. He heated up from the mid-range. He got to the rim a few times. He got to the foul line five for five in the fourth quarter in overtime. So during that that range, he was six of ten from the field, two of five from three, scored 19 points, was plus 11 for Charlotte. So, you know, Captain Crunch time here. I mean, he he really came through when it mattered and, and almost carried Charlotte over the finish line. Uh, but but they did come up short. Um, where did I put my tab here? What what else in this game? You brought up I, – I was going to bring up how much Charlotte struggled at the rim. You brought that up. Yeah. Um, th- you know, and two, this was one of those games, and you get it from the Hornets every now and then, where they just they bombed from deep, right? And they got mm-hmm. it from all kinds of different places. Willie Hernan Gomez hits three triples. <laughs> Dwayne Bacon hits – Dwayne Bacon in the fourth quarter hits two huge triples. I yeah. think they were both in the fourth quarter. He Lamb was great. He was, he, was awesome. he was awesome. He was awesome. Um, you know, Kimball was just terrible early, but hits two really big threes in the fourth quarter in OT. Uh, Monk hit two. He was two of eight overall. Miles hit one. I mean, it was just – it was a group effort. Marvin hit one. And, that you know, the Hornets finished with, I think, they made 16 threes in this game. Yeah. So but, – but this is back. Like, this game versus the Cleveland game is like, again – over relying on that shot the Hornets took 37 threes uh in this game against Philly which usually you would say yeah that that's great but it just they relied so much of their offense from that area and in the Cleveland game same thing they almost almost take 43s yeah but it's the opposite you know outcome where you only make four or five of them so 
you know, it, it's very reliant from that area. And then obviously on Kimball Walker and, you know, against what, a team like Philly with, with that kind of link, this just is not a good game plan. What, one one more thing for Bismack for this game. Biz plays five minutes. Hornets are minus 11 in those five minutes with him on the court. He has four fouls, one turnover, and goes one to two from the free throw line. Like, this is almost where it's like, you know, I, I get that he can bang a little bit more, but it, it's I don't think it's worth the value lost everywhere else, um, you, you know, on the court. And again, we talk about this, it feels like every other week, but like the clutch minutes for the Hornets were bad again. Um, Charlotte now has 34 clutch minutes this season. They're minus 19 in those minutes, worse than the NBA. Uh, 26th in the NBA in clutch offensive efficiency, 24th in clutch defensive efficiency, 28th in clutch net rating, minus 22.7 points per 100, per, per 100 possessions. Dead last in clutch effective shooting, 35.3%. Um, 18 of 60 from the field, 6 of 30 on threes in clutch minutes. Kemba, 9 of 27 from the field, 4 of 13. Monk, 3 of 8. Marvin, 0 of 4. Bridges, 1 of 5. Batum, 0 of 2. Also, Nick Batum only played 14 minutes in this game, too. So uh, that, that was sort of notable. Very little Batum and only... Uh, yeah, pardon me, 16 minutes for Batum and 14 minutes for Marvin Williams in this game, which were low numbers as well. I mean, it's just unbelievable, right, BG? Like, it's the same story every year. The every Hornets year. have a Every year, the Hornets have a plus uh, 5.3 net rating, or differential, yeah. if you will. That's seventh best in the league. But yeah. here, we, here we go again. Their win differential rating, minus 2.3, by far the worst in the league. Yeah. They, have a, they have a win expectancy over 82-game schedule. Right now, with their differential of 54 wins, 54 you think that, wins. You guys, uh, you guys think they'll get there? You think they'll get to 54 yeah, this year? It's just, it's it, and it, you know, I, I think in the past maybe we've been a little bit more like, ah, oh, you know, it's just this team's just unlucky in clutch situations. But no, they're real. They're not unlucky. They just, you can't rely on a five-eight guard to bail you out. At the end of games, that is not a recipe for success, and that is why the Hornets struggle. It's not bad luck. It isn't. You know, it's just not. They don't have anybody else that can score the ball at the end of games. And not only that, they don't have anybody else. Well, Malik Monk, he's willing to. He just can't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not Malik Monk. They don't have anybody else that's even willing to try, and that yeah. is a problem, especially for a, a, a team in the cap situation. This one is. It's kind of unbelievable to think about. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, but, I mean, like, it's supposed to be like they're paying, but I mean, we, God, Jesus, we've talked about this too many times, but like, they're paying, but like, they're paying Nick Batum $25 million. He's a wing, but he, you know, it's like this, it's never been his, it's never been his MO to be a, a guy that, that uses possessions in general, especially late in the game. And, um, yeah, like, it's just, it's all on Kemba. And again, it was insane to see in the Detroit game, the Pistons. Yeah trapping this guy when when there wasn't even a screen being set like they're just running an extra defender at him being like yes we were happy to play like as long as we're happy to play three on four as long as the guy we've eliminated is this one person because we don't think any of you guys can beat us not one of you and i do think it's a little bit of a problem too which is like you need to have mkg out there to to be your, cause he's your best defender by far. Um, and even though he's made strides offensively and in, in at this new position, it's, you know, it, it 
he's doing he's doing just fine. Um, but like you know, it, it's one less shooter to have out there. Even though I know he's taken a couple token corner threes this year, which is which is nice. But like, it, it's just like it makes it, it it's that much easier still to trap Kemba when he's out there. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, and and the Hornets have trimmed the fat. You know, Borrego has trimmed the fat on that a little bit by just inserting MKG in there in you know smaller lineups, five out lineups that that helps the offense keep continue to run, and you you still get the same output of, on from him defensively. But when we're playing against a team like the one we're talking about, the Sixers, and Embiid's out there, you can't employ that lineup. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, sorry I cut you off. Keep going, BG. No, no, no. I, I actually, I'd, I'd actually gotten to to my conclusion there. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just not going to get better. Like it, this is what it is. They uh, everyone's everyone's trying hard, and I and I'm sure this is a focus point for the team to to be better in these these leverage minutes. But um, I mean they're just they're just they're a little hand tied. Like they just don't have a ton of options, and um. You know, like I like it's it's crazy, but like they they probably need to play Tony Parker more in those clutch minutes next to Kemba until I know that it's it's, it's a joke, right? Um, but like until Lamb or Monk or Batum, you know, if unless you know, and I just I just don't I'm not I wouldn't bank on any of those guys getting to this point where they can take over and be a dominant secondary guy in clutch minutes. Like until then, you know, they, they might need to ride with Parker a little bit more, which is crazy. Let, and let's do it. You know what? With Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid as the big three, when we go to that small, when we go to that smaller five-out lineup at the end of the games, uh, let's just play two-three zone defensively, right. and then try right. to slice them up on the offensive end. I mean, hell, why not? Because hey, the, there's the really zone, no other answer. The zone's coming back in the NBA this year, man. I've seen, I've seen Cleveland ran it almost after every timeout the other yep. night. The Brad Stevens and and Quinn Snyder were running it uh, last Friday in Salt Lake City too, when the Celtics and Jazz were playing. So. Um, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe the Hornets need to bring that as well, too. Turn the clocks way back. Yeah. yeah seriously. Um, the last thing I want to point out about this game, because I, I, I spent better half of my Saturday morning that somehow had free, uh, hadn't had many of those recently, uh, watching some Miles Bridges film, and I did a little Twitter thread on his defensive issues. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, and I remember watching film of his in the draft process and saying, man, this guy does not get in a stance. He does not try to move his feet, which he's definitely capable of. Um, the ball just zooms by him very regularly, and when he's in space in like a help situation, you can pretty much forget it right now. Um, it's not something that can improve. It's not something he can't learn. But Miles Bridges is thinking the game defensively on a very, very poor level, very mm-hmm. low level now, and um, and it's got to be a focus point for for the uh, for the coaching staff and the development of him. Um, you know, he, he's given us highlights, but I, I was pretty committed to finding not the truth, but but finding really what he's doing on the court right now. Mm-hmm. It's not good defensively at all, BG. Uh, he, had, he had some bad moments against Cleveland, too. Yeah, like he did. In yep. the first quarter early, he, he just left his dude alone in the corner. They hit a three, and then he got smoked on a drive to the, bu- the bucket. And it's just like all the athleticism in the world, you know. Um, but uh, just doesn't know where he is on the court a lot of times. Mm-hmm. He, 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 I mean, if he has to take one step uh, away from his initial help position, he, he's almost like turning in circles if the ball yeah. gets swung. And that's that's an issue. It's an issue, yeah. and it's something to monitor for yeah. miles. Um, 
And he played a lot of minutes in this game against Philly. He played 28 minutes. There was a lot to dig into. Uh, Marvin Williams only played 15 in this game with foul trouble, I believe. Um, all right, let's move on from this game. Yeah, we spent we gotta, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we'll, we'll go through Detroit quickly here. Yeah, sure. Um, the Detroit game was another – it was a great one for, for Charlotte again. Uh, they, they bombed from deep. In this one, uh, Kimba had it going a little bit earlier in the game. Um, didn't rely on him as much. He finished with 24 points. He was 9 of 17 from the floor, 2 of 5 from deep. Um, 28, 28% usage rate. I think that's a healthy mark yep. for Kimba. Tony yes, Parker, 33% <laughs> usage rate in 28 minutes of yeah. this game. I mean, that's that's crazy right there. Yeah. He was 11 of 18. He's the right player of the game. I mean, come on. 11 yeah. of 18 from the floor, <laughs> 24 <laughs> points uh, for Tony Parker. Easily his best game, I would say, as a Hornet. Hit some big, big shots down the stretch for Charlotte. Um, they finished – oh, crap. I don't have it right in front of me what they did from deep. But Miles Bridges hit three threes. Jeremy Lamb hit four. Marvin Williams hit three. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. I'm reading the wrong one. Uh, Jeremy Lamb hit two. Marvin Williams hit three. Uh, Tony Parker was two of two. Uh, Batum hit one. Kimba hit two. And Willie, again, hit another one. So it's just a game that Charlotte had it going from deep, um, and they outshot the Pistons. BG, what would you take from this one? Yeah, I mean, a hell of a shooting game for the Hornets. They, they basically almost go 50-40-90, uh, 89% from the line, 39 from deep, 51 uh, from the field overall, which was, which was really good. A um, couple things. I thought the, like, defense for Blake on, on Griffin was really good. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's been sort of a high-usage monster for the Pistons this year, but just 4 of 16 from the field, 0 of 5 from deep, uh, a couple turnovers, minus 19, only 10 points. And I think they clearly, like, you know, they flustered him. And I would say, too, I mean, you could even see it. Like, he was he was in sort of his, like, bully mode where he's just kind of running around being a jerk to people. And I thought he had a cheap shot on, on Monk in the, later in this game, too, that ended up uh, getting him ejected. Um, and, but, you know, the, I mean, the Eastern Conference is so weird. You know, the Hornets sort of handle the Pistons with relative ease. And then the Pistons go out a couple of nights later and beat the Toronto Raptors. So uh, go go figure with that one. Um, I don't know. Good, good, good road win for the Hornets over a decent Pistons team. Um, yeah, good shooting game. And they did a good job on defending Blake. And I think when teams do that against Detroit this year, they're going to win a lot of games probably. Yeah, agree, agree. Um, you know, Andre Drummond had a nice game for Detroit. I mean, I think this is just yeah. going to be a trend for Charlotte. Like when they go up against the behemoth centers, those guys <laughs> are going to dominate because the Hornets just don't yeah. really have a way to contain them. Um, Drummond, twenty-three points, twenty-two rebounds yeah. in this game. Uh, just yeah, really took over, and Monster. his usage rate was high, twenty-three point yeah. four. So uh, the Pistons were going there. Yeah, uh, consistently. You brought yeah. it up. Blake Griffin struggled four of sixteen. This is a good win for the Hornets. Um, you know, it turned into a bit of a wash considering uh, what they did uh, in their next game at Cleveland. And the last thing I want to point out, BG, unless you said it and I missed it, an outlier for Charlotte in this game at the rim. They were eighty-three point three percent, by far yeah. the best their best game yeah. of the year, shooting the ball from that close. Um, but, didn't take it to, didn't take it but they didn't take many. Yet, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they took very little. Only 18% of their shots came at the rim. But they did convert when they got there. Yeah. Um, and you brought up the point earlier about how much Detroit extended their defense to try to trap Kimba early. 
So yeah. they were bringing guys as far up the floor as they had to to try to stop Kemba in his tracks, mm. which is why the rim was so open in certain right. occasions. Right, 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 right. What did uh, you say? What did you say Parker's usage rate was for this game again? Do you remember? Yeah, Parker's usage rate was thirty-three point one. Led the team. <laughs> yeah, this is. So I'm looking at fourth quarter usage. Tony Parker played eleven minutes in the fourth quarter with a usage rate of thirty-three point three percent. Kemba played. Five and a half minutes usage rate of forty-two percent. Uh, it's crazy. Nick Batum, Nick Batum plays all twelve minutes usage rate of under four percent. So there, there you go. There's Nick Batum, the twenty-five million dollar man uh, who uses <laughs> one possession in the entire quarter. <laughs> who was that? Type. Was that Richie that just laughed? Was no, that no, 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 it's my buddy Rob who just got oh. in town from Chicago here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, geez, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, uh, laughs with the rest of the the Hornets of families. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, good, good win for the good win for the uh, the Hornets here, I guess. But yeah. Nick Tim, yeah, just an interesting. And, and yeah, by the way, here we go too. Tony Parker in the fourth quarter with a 43% assist rate as well too. So like, I mean, it was a turn back the clock night again for TP this season. Well, he hit, you know, the three he hit that I think made it maybe one eleven, or it put the Hornets up by like eight, I think. Kemba gets trapped at the top without a ball screen coming. Parker <laughs> catches it on the wing, and then I can't remember who was standing in the corner. But the guy, you know, Parker's man came to trap. Kimba yeah. throws it to Parker. The guy guarding the the guy in the wing, um, like stunts a little bit at Parker. Parker kind of looks at him, is like, yeah. I don't really want to shoot this, but like if you're gonna <laughs> if you're not gonna <laughs> come towards me, I'm going to. And then it took after about two and a half seconds of a little a little uh, staring contest, Parker fires it and drills it for a yeah. second three of the game. And yikes. You know, the, that's uh, not going to be there for the Hornets every game. J- just real quickly, Batum did a couple nice things in the fourth quarter. Three defensive rebounds, two steals, an assist. But literally the one possession that Nick Batum used in the fourth quarter was a turnover. Like, that was the only – no free throws, no field goal attempts, one turnover. It was a plus two in 12 minutes. So, um, not not ideal. But, you know, they're, they're making the best of what they got, I guess. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Uh, <laughs> All right, on to the Cleveland game, um, the ugliest <laughs> game. The ugly, and we, yeah. We won't spend. We'll try not to spend too much time on this one. It, this is one of the ugliest games, and dating back to like Bobcats yeah, days, it was bad. One of one of the ugliest games I have ever witnessed in Charlotte basketball history yeah. in the last twelve years. I mean, it it was awful from the start. The Hornets finish. <laughs> Mind you, I, I'm using cleaning the glass stats, so they toss out a lot of garbage time. I, we only get 95 to 75. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. It cut off halfway stuff. through the fourth quarter, right. Right, and, and even at that stage. Well, actually, the Hornets hit two threes. Frank Kaminsky siding hit a three, and Dwayne Bacon <laughs> also <laughs> hit three in garbage time, so you can take those two threes out. Good the Hornets God. finished with an 89.3 offensive rating in this yeah. game. I, I, I went back and did some research, BG. In the last three years, it's the fourth worst. I actually thought it would be worse, but it's the fourth worst offensive showing for the Hornets in the past three seasons. Um, and that came against the 27th ranked defense in the NBA, which yes. is it, that is hard to wrap your mind around. Pathetic. Um, pathetic showing. It, it is, but they, they were I, without Osmond and Decker and stuff too. Like that. Like that was like the the scrub team for the Cavs, and and they just absolutely. 
blitzed. Yeah, I mean, the Hornets, 37.5 effective shooting. Um, only 6% turnover rate, so that's a cool thing. Um, but they score under uh, nine, you know, 0.9 points per possession. Um, and, you know, you were talking about this earlier, too. Like, look, when, when the Hornets can't hit from deep, they, they can't score at the rim. Um, teams trap Kemba, and they don't have, like, a secondary guy. The Hornets in this game, they get up. And there was some bad luck, too. Like, they took 23 wide-open threes in this game, right? So that's, that's unbelievable. That's good number. But they hit just six of them. So 26%. Marvin, two of five. Uh, Malik Monk, 0 of two. Kemba, 0 of two. Batum, one of three. Parker, 0 of two. Lamb, 0 of two. Uh, Bridges, one of two. Hornets go just seven of 31 on catch and shoot threes, you know, 22.5%. And they go one of seven on three point attempts in the first six seconds of the shot clock, 14%. Like it was just, I, I mean, it's one of those things like if they hit, if they hit 12 of those 23 pointers, this is probably a different game, you know? Um, but that was not the case. And it certainly led to them. Um, it's just ugly, ugly win. And it goes to show you too, like for the season, the Hornets have actually been pretty good on wide open threes. Kemba 45%, Batum 48%, Lamb 48%, Bridges 47%. But here are the two, the two like kickers on wide open threes this year, Marvin, Williams, uh, 11 of 33, 33%, and Malik Monk, uh, 11 of 32, 34%. Like, those are the two guys. Like, they're, they're out. Like, those guys, their best skill is their ability to catch and shoot from threes. And they got, they got to be able to hit more than a third of them. They've, they've got to get closer when they're wide open to hitting 40%. It just has to, like, it, it has to happen. Marvin, yeah, Marvin and Monk are, 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 <laughs> They're looking after their their brother that's not out there on the court with them, Frank Kaminsky this season on the <laughs> wide open threes. I mean, they are they are representing him uh, in, a, in a in a really patriotic manner. It's it's pretty amazing what we've yeah. seen from them. But no, yeah, and I, I don't think he said this stat, but I just saw it a minute ago and I have to share it. Um, on non corner threes for the Hornets in this game, one of twenty seven. <laughs> one of twenty seven. BG Richie, if you're sitting there. If you blindfolded us and asked us to take 27 threes from above the break, we could make more than one. I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah, I mean, I, the only team I can think that would be envious of that shooting performance would be the Houston Rockets in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, right? And then they, <laughs> yeah. missed, then they missed 27 straight threes. That's right, 27 uh, obviously, straight, yep. Obviously not all from above the break, but uh, yeah, 1 in 27 is... Um, I mean, again, like, this performance was... It was, an, it was a bit of an anomaly, but like... They were so bad defensively that it's tough to just sort of just chalk it up to a bad shooting night. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, part of this definitely is an anomaly. I mean, if you just watch the game, you you could as many open shots as Charlotte missed. You're just like, all right, some of this is a little bit wonky. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, defensively, there's no excuse against a Cavs team that is one of the worst offensive teams in the league. Yeah. Um, one thing that I noted that has nothing to do with statistics, and it's just this was the worst body language I've seen from Kimball Walker in, yeah. in a while. He was he was very, very defeated. He was yeah. not trying defensively, um, you know, like you're used to from Kimball. Uh, he didn't look like he has, had his legs under him. You know, this was mm -hmm. not a back-to-back -back for Charlotte. They actually – and they played Sunday afternoon in Detroit, so they had a few extra hours of rest opposed to if they would have had to play Sunday night – turn around and play Tuesday night, but um, yeah, just a really, really weird game for the Hornets. And mm -hmm. 
I tweeted this out right after the game. It will be extremely interesting with the stretch that Charlotte has coming up against Philly, Indiana, and Boston. It will be very interesting how they respond yep. or how they don't respond yep. after this performance because there's no other way to slice it. This was embarrassing. Yep. Yeah, it was bad. It was a bad look. And like you said, they're going into some really tough games. Um, I mean, look, not only they have those three games at home and they're all against teams that are playoff teams and teams that could win, you know, 50 plus games. But look, it's not going to get any easier for the Hornets, too, because um, in terms of like defensive efficiency, Boston's number one in the NBA. Uh, the first then when they go back on the road after Thanksgiving on the 23rd of November, they play they play at Oklahoma City, the number two defense. Now, obviously, look, Philly's more to the middle. They're like 16th in defensive efficiency. But you know that team's better on that defensively. And they've had Charlotte's numbers for some of the stuff they're trying to do this year. Like, it's they're playing against good teams. Indiana's a top 10 defense, too. Like, the, these next four games for the Hornets, man, like, it, it's going to be really tough. And, um, like, they just – it's just it, – they're going to have to get better – shooting from Malik and Marvin and the Kemba's got to have some bounce back games here too. The one bright spot for Charlotte in this game is Jeremy Lamb. Um, 26.8 usage percentage uh, did not lead the team. Malik did, but we're not going to talk about him in this game. Um, <laughs> Lamb finished with 22 points, eight of 16 from the floor, one of four from deep. Uh, you know, he's the one guy that stayed steady through the storm in this game. Um, yeah. He was good from the mid-range. You know, he hit that one-three, got to the rim a few times. He, he, he kept the Hornets alive, honestly. Where they would have been without Lamb, I'm, I'm <laughs> not sure they would really even even come out of Cleveland. We would have just yeah. buried him there. Um, but, yeah, so Lamb, uh, a good performance for him. I think that's his highest usage rate of the season. If it's not, it's, it's up there. Um, what, did you have, think, yeah, what, did, what did you think real quickly about Cody Zeller's defensive performance yeah. in this game? Not so, great, right? He, well, here's the thing, BG. Like, I went and I have him right here, and I didn't know if we were going to get to talking about him or not. So I'm glad you brought it up. His numbers like aren't awful. No, they're not. Uh, the The team is not great. The, the team's a little worse with him on the floor offensively. Yeah. But opponents are much worse. Minus yeah. three point five. Um, net when he's on the floor. You know, so his net is one point six when he's on. I, <laughs> What I'm seeing on my television screen and what the stats are telling me are not matching up. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those situations, BG, where I just – and I know you asked me about this game specifically, but I'm but trying to crack – I feel like it's a mystery. What Cody Zeller has been this year, I feel like is not a winning player. But a lot of the statistics are looking very similar. Mm -hmm. I, w I will say this. I think defensively he's, he's lost – in a lot of situations, and I think a lot of that has to do with how much he's being asked to switch. Yeah. You saw that, you know, I, I tweeted out this clip the other night of JR coming off a very simple pin down stagger. It looked, yeah. you know, Batum talks to no one, like yeah. he never does. So, yeah. so look, Marvin, you, you and I, you know and by I, now. He's not going to talk to you. He's yeah. not going to tell you a screen's coming. So just, yeah. you've got to have to have your head on the swivel. And it's a stagger screen. So Cody's guarding the top guy on the stagger screen. He doesn't switch. Marvin tries to, but it's too late. It, it came in a moment where the Hornets were trying to make a run. Um, I think when you ask Cody Zeller, a player that only played for Steve Clifford, a coach that never switched, right, mm. even in clutch situations, he yeah. knew what his coverages were. If he needed to hedge hard, he could and sprint back. If he needed to sit low, 
and, and play goalie, so to speak. He yeah. could and do what he could at the rim. To ask this guy now to switch regularly, I think it's difficult for him. And yeah. I think that although the numbers don't tell you he's really struggling defensively, I think he is. I really do. And I think it's coming in inopportune moments. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this, too. I think some of just the, the very – you know, it'd be interesting to look at some of the more – like the deeper stuff, some of like the – you know, I don't have the, I don't have RPM or some of these other ones that factor in for uh, you know who's on the court with you and uh, you know who's on the court against you. But one of the things that does help Zeller with his on-off stuff is like, you know, he's played uh, you know basically 330, 320 minutes this season. 294 of those have been with Kemba Walker. Like I, like that that'll help you. That'll prop up your on-off splits pretty quickly. You know. Um, when you're playing with that guy, uh, he, despite, you know, that he's had some shooting troubles recently too, but like, yeah, you, the, the t- play you're talking about with J.R. Smith is uh, one thing we both were sort of talking about it the other night during the game. Like it was just such a, you, you know, it, you either gotta be switching and rotating on a string or there's just gotta be better communication. You just can't have J.R. loafing into a catch and shoot three with no one in his airspace like that. Like, it's just, that was that was the when I think of that game, that play jumps out more than any other one because it showed a pretty serious lack of communication or effort. Do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, just that's not something that I expect from Zeller. And like the the three guys involved in that exchange were Batum, Marvin Williams, and Cody Zeller. And some of those guys are excellent hustle people, excellent hustle guys, excellent communicators. And, um, man, it was just crazy to see them just completely drop the ball on that one exchange. Yeah. You know, so I don't I don't know if we should chalk this up with guys like Marvin, who's looked a lot the same way, BG, I think, in terms yeah. of confusion at times defensively. And Cody, um, if we should chalk this up to, hey, look, these guys are getting, you know, used to a new system, and it's going to take, you know, mm-hmm. 40 games to really feel comfortable in it, be communicating in it. Or if these are players, they're just going to struggle in these kind of uh, in this scheme. And yeah. it would surprise me if they struggled in this scheme because Cody Zeller and Marvin Williams, especially Marvin Williams, strike me both as smart basketball players. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, exactly. and, and so I would I would think that they would be able to think their way through this scheme a little bit uh, more seamlessly than they mm-hmm. have. So it's something to watch. Cody Zeller, though, just in general, has um, has looked like a minus basketball player. Yeah this season so far to me i mean I, i'm ready to have the willie hernan gomez conversation should he be in the starting lineup I, yeah. I, I i don't know if i'm ready to watch him play defense but i'm ready to <laughs> have i'm ready to listen to the people that want to say he should be starting over cody because he's just not bringing what he has in the past uh to the hornets oh, i'll say this too it's uh you know they probably don't want to overtax it but they've played a fair amount of minutes with marvin at center and it's been very good now i know some matchups that's going to be basically you know if you're playing in the Sixers and Embiid, it's basically a no-go. But they've got a net rating that's, like, hovering close to plus 20 with, with, with like, close to 80 minutes of Marvin at the five. Um, one last thing, I do want to spit these numbers out real quickly because I do think, yeah, look, Kemba's seen some pretty serious defensive attention, and he's been struggling in recent games. But some of it, like, he's gotten some good looks, too. Um, but, yeah, the last three games for Kemba – 6 of 26 on threes, 37% effective shooting, 6 of 24 from above the break, 25%. Like, that's got to be close to 40, closer to 40. Um, 3 of 10 in the, in the restricted area, 
oh of 11 on catch and shoot attempts. I mean, that again, that's sort of just like bad luck to an extent. And three of 12 on wide open three point attempts, which like, I mean, come on, he's a much better, he's closer to 50%, you know? So they, they've had some bad luck too, but three, uh, just again, last numbers that I want to run through here too, because uh, this sort of goes into the lack of a secondary creator. Uh, last three games on drives, Kemba, 8 of 20 shooting, Malik Monk, 0 of 7, Tony Parker, 6 of 12, Jeremy Lamb, 3 of 14, Nick Batum, 1 of 4. So, like, you see the lack of volume with Nick Batum driving to the basket, um, and you see, you know, Kemba and Tony Parker with 32 field goal attempts on drives the last three games, and no one else anywhere close to that. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it, it's a problem. It's a problem. As we've discussed a lot in the episode, you know, is it fixable for the Hornets? Is it going to take someone else not on this roster currently to come in? Or, which is, you know, the Hornets are going to have a hard time doing that for all the reasons we've mentioned. Or someone else going to step up, Malik Monk, Nick Batum, somebody going to come out of their shell here. Um, all right, well, I think that's that's pretty good. We, we yeah. covered a lot in this episode, unpacked a lot. Um, real quickly before we go, just running through – Slow housekeeping here. Let's run through the uh, the upcoming schedule for the Hornets Saturday. You'll you'll probably hear this episode on a Friday. You might hear it on a Saturday morning. Um, they host Philly Saturday night, the third game against the Sixers this season. Uh, they host Boston Monday night, and then they host Indiana next Wednesday night. So <laughs> all three of those games are at home. Um, and then next Friday, they're at Oklahoma City, and then uh, next, uh, the, the Sunday they're at Atlanta. So that takes mm. you through next week. Um, it's next week's is, is Thanksgiving. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure you're going to hear from us. We might yeah. skip a week, uh, and pick back up a few weeks from now. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of basketball between now and then uh, a tough, very tough stretch for the Hornets coming up. <laughs> I mean, if, if they get two of these next four, I think you got to feel good. Yeah, no, I totally agree that that's like best case scenario. I think in terms of what's, you know, sort of in the realm of possibility no doubt um bg good stuff as always mm-hmm. uh we will see you have a great thanksgiving uh probably yeah. won't probably won't do yeah. an episode next week i'm sure we'll talk and then yeah. richie uh if you're back there yep you are see you have a great thanksgiving appreciate you guys appreciate all the listeners um we're off to another great start in terms of listens this year tell a friend if if uh mm-hmm. if you know somebody looking for a, a hornets podcast out there yeah, go ahead, BG. Just who was the who was the guy that tweeted us this morning that had the the Buzzbeat logo? Oh yeah, yeah. Can we yeah, yeah. can we can we pull that up and give that dude a quick shout out? To yes, him? I will pull that up. And also, yeah, hold on, it'll take me three seconds. All right, yeah. So, Nico at sarcastic underscore asset. Uh, he tweeted a picture of himself starting my morning coffee. Uh, my morning off, right, with some coffee at Buzzbeat yeah. Radio has a on, on his coffee mug there has the Buzzbeat sticker that he won. Yeah. We appreciate our, that, man. That's cool. That is really really cool. That, that's one of the coolest things anybody's tweeted. It's just like yeah. that's when you, you it's like a visual uh, effect. Like wow, okay, yeah. people like these aren't just numbers I look at on the screen. People yeah. actually do listen to us, and, and we yeah. reach other folks. So, um, and Richie does a great job of running those contests. Those stickers are really really cool. You can slap them on a laptop, yeah, coffee mug, like Nico did. So they're really cool. We'll do those giveaways, you know, every few weeks. So keep your eyes out for that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow us, give us a follow on Twitter, Buzzbeat, uh, at Buzzbeat on Twitter. Um, all right, boys. Good stuff as always. Like I said, have a great Thanksgiving, uh, and we'll catch you guys at episode 80. Uh, don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Bali 
Baller Podcast Network and home at QueenCityHoops.com and, and our good friends over at Sports Channel 8. We're getting ready to head uh, full steam ahead into college basketball season and conference play before we know it here. So make sure you're, you are following at Sports Channel, the number eight on Twitter, and check them out, sportschannel8.com on the internet. All right, that was episode 79. Until next time.